You're listening to Show Me Your Mic, a show that interviews other podcasters about their workflows, gear, and thoughts on podcasting. Your host is Chris Enns, a podcaster who's hoping to learn more about the craft by talking to fellow broadcasters. Hello, thanks for listening to Show Me Your Mic. My guest this week is my cold that I have getting over, and also uh, Ryan Ireland who's uh, joining me from beautiful Austin, Texas. Ryan, are you there? Hopefully you're still there. I am. Hello, Chris. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Skype hasn't failed us already. <laughs> or yet. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, privileged, pleased, and, and happy to have Ryan on because uh, I had got the chance to sit in on an interview that he did with my compatriots over at the Non-Breaking Space Show a while back and sort of picked his brain a little bit, but they were talking about some other stuff, and so I'm glad to have you on the show to... And I think at the time you were sort of in transition too, and that's what we'll talk about a bit. So uh, uh, for folks who don't know Ryan, you're VP, Vice President of Technology at Happy Cog. He runs Majingo, which is a publisher of training materials for web people, which is uh, in partner with Happy Cog as well now, which is that's new since last uh, we heard from Ryan, if you listen to the Nodbrake Space Show. And uh, I think I forgot to check with you, but you're also publishing eInsider.com still, right? That's I am. Yep, that's going as well. So, not doing a whole lot on the web, but uh, <laughs> you're <laughs> keeping busy, I guess. Uh, so, maybe for folks who aren't familiar, I guess, with what uh, Majingo is, that's sort of where I, I think, where I became familiar with your work, anyways. Through uh, there was a one of those deals where it was like uh, an expression engine training package thing that I got. It was for me. Uh, it, it was like a, yeah, a WordPress. Yeah, might have been the fusion, the fusion bundle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm a WordPress guy, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't need this, and I'll, I'll just download <laughs> it and store it somewhere. <laughs> and then watch it, and I was like, oh, this guy's this is really interesting. Both Express Engine and, and then also the training stuff that you do. So, what is Majingo? That uh, what is it, and what do you do with it? <laughs> sure, uh, Majingo is a uh, a company that publishes training materials, and uh, it's pretty much almost all screencasts. So it's, you know, watch and learn type of, of training. And uh, Majingo originally started doing uh, screencasts on Expression Engine, which is the ones that you that you purchased. And it, it actually started way back in, well, not way back, but it started in 2008. Um, I did some videos for the publisher of my book on Expression Engine, The Pragmatic Programmers. And uh, I did some videos for them and it really um, went really well. And then after a couple of years of doing that, I decided to to go off and do those on my own. And that's when, um, while I had been operating as Majingo, the business entity, the entire time, I decided to make that a brand and a website that people would go to to purchase materials directly from me. And uh, yeah, so we published things on Expression Engine. Um, there's videos on Python. There's some productivity videos. Um, most recently, I published a... Uh, an hour video on the basics of Git for people that are looking to, um, you know, figure out what this Git version control stuff is all about that they're, you know, developers in the office are telling them to use, but they're so reluctant to use. So it's a video that gives you an introduction to to using Git and all the basics that you need. Um, so that's pretty much it. Also do classroom training, um, uh, all private training right now. So companies that, uh, uh, you know, are looking to train their teams on Expression Engine, uh, we'll get in contact and, and I would go on site and, and for three days and, and work with their teams to help them 
we're an expression engine and uh, and how it fits into what they're trying to do. So I was actually just up in Canada in March and April um, for uh, three three classes that I taught up there at a a large um, broadcasting company, shall we say? Um, <laughs> That's also Canadian. And, <laughs> and uh, so we uh, so I do stuff like that all through all through Majingo. Interesting. Yeah, I saw your tweets uh, when you sort of popped in and out of Toronto there. I think it was Toronto that you were in. And, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, curious what you were doing. So that's, I didn't put two and two together, but that makes sense, obviously, that that's what you're doing. That and way. I know you're not in Toronto, but it is a, it is a lovely city that your country has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, the, the weather was, was cold, but um, it's a great place. I really, I really had a good time while I was there. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, the other half of the the country, somewhere out east from where I am, but uh, we tend to Toronto tends to think of itself within Canada as sort of the center of Canada and the focus of Canada, and everybody outside of Toronto tends to think of Toronto as uh, Toronto centric and <laughs> and look down on kind of. But no, it's all good. We're all one big happy family. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because people that I taught um, came from all over Canada, actually, um, even from your neck of the woods. Um, and they flew in, and so I was training people from from across the country, and that was pretty cool to hear from where people, different people are from, and how they, and sort of their their inside jokes that they have about each other's areas of the country. Yeah, and stuff. Uh, <laughs> it, it's actually it's, it was actually quite amusing. But I didn't get hardly any of them because I don't really know you know specifics <laughs> about different um, different provinces or even different areas and provinces. So yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, I got to meet people from all over Canada and uh, just. But just being in Toronto, so interesting. It was very cool, and that was for expression engine training, like using expression. Yeah, engine. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's basically what Majingo does. It's, um, you know, sell my sell and create my own training materials, and it's not just me creating them. So I have authors that create them uh, for me, and um, we are in full on production mode right now on several videos. Um, there's a new CMS that is in public beta right now called Craft. It's at buildwithcraft.com. And I'm working on a, a series of videos that cover building websites with Craft to be much like my EE videos. And uh, have some other things in the works here in the uh, in the studio here at the Happy Cog office in Austin, which uh, is a, a wonderful segue that I just threw your way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're making me jump around in my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Follow your outline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. No, it's it's fine. I think um, I just wanted to explain. I guess for folks, that I, w- part of what's interesting to me about what you're doing is it's not explicitly podcasting. And that's what you know we're sort of about. Is the show is about anyways? Just you know, talking to other podcasters about how they podcast and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting to me is, and I want to talk to you about before we jump to Happy Cog related stuff is with Majingo, is you know setting up because one one aspect or one avenue that people could go with. You know, I like to teach stuff, and so what they could do is what I've done with some stuff is you know you throw up a YouTube video or Vimeo on how to use WordPress or how to use Expression Engine. And you just kind of do that way and you build maybe a bit of an audience that way. And uh, whereas you went the other route, not saying you didn't ever put anything up on YouTube or whatever, but just, you know, in broad strokes anyways, you went with setting up a company and selling your your training materials through that as a way of um, building a business, obviously, and and stuff like that. So what, I guess, what was the reasoning behind doing that and um, advice for somebody in starting out in that area today in 2013? 
Um, I, I do actually offer up a bunch of videos for free on the Majingo blog, and they tend to be between like one and five minutes or so. Um, and it's a lot of times where I'm just briefly walking through something or showing something that I've recently discovered. I've been doing some iPhone and iOS apps recently. Um, but yeah, I haven't done that much on, on YouTube other than just some, uh, you know, promotional videos and stuff like that. Um, the reason that I, I don't know, I don't know if it was ever like a conscious decision that I don't want to do stuff for free. The types of videos I wanted to do were so involved and involved so many hours of producing them that, uh, that I didn't want to give, like, I, I didn't want to just do all that work and, and then just, you know, and just would always be for free. Um, it, it just doesn't scale. Like I, I would have a hard time justifying to myself and to my family why I would just be spending so much time on all of this stuff and, um, and not, you know, sort of building something on top of it. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to free videos. There's lots of, there's actually a lot of good stuff on YouTube. But what I've found is that um, it's hard to sift through uh, the good stuff. Uh, I'm sorry, it's hard to sift through and find the good stuff Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that isn't, um, that, that, is, that is difficult to follow because there's not an outline behind it. There's not really any structure behind it. Um, I take a real um, structured approach to how I create the videos and the methodology that I use, which is really all about making sure that we're always learning in some context. So if we're learning a new CMS that we're always building a website, you know, in the, in the video, that will teach you like the concepts you need, but along the way you're building something. And at the end of the video, you have built like a simple website and you have something to show for what you did. And it's not just like a, you know, um, like a review of like, oh, here's the different stuff in the CMS and here's this and here's that. It's like, you know, here's the site we're going to build. We're going to build it on this CMS, follow along and we'll show you how you do it. And along the way, you're going to learn all the basic techniques you need to then go apply that to the project that you're trying to get done. Right. And that's, and, and that approach takes um, a fair amount of planning. You have to come up with this, with a sample site you have to, and sometimes it means hiring a designer to, to design a sample site for you. You have to code the sample site. Um, you have to actually, um, in addition to writing the market for the sample site, you have to write the actual code in the CMS because you want to build it all beforehand. So you have everything planned out for how it's going to work. Um, and then you want to break that sample site up into, into chunks so that it can follow a curriculum that makes sense to the person watching the video. So there's a lot of like thinking that goes on. I would say that like a one hour video um, is easily like, you know, for me, maybe like 40 hours of, of work or something like that. Um, oh, wow. You know, and that, that's, that includes production, editing, um, marketing, copywriting and all the planning and idea that goes into it beforehand. So, um, so there's like a good amount of work in there. So it just, you know, I guess it wouldn't really scale to, 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 to always, you know, do those quality of videos and do them for free. So I'd rather just be able to put the effort in um, and charge people, a, you know, a reasonable, you know, fee to get them. Yeah. And that's right. I think um, there's a few different questions I have about that. I guess the, the one, one thing I wanted to know about, I guess, is, is your workflow for, preparing a screencast because I think at a at a higher level I guess it's it is interesting to do um, look at the workflow on something like that because I think it can apply to as podcasters we often could be doing something else as an auxiliary sort of either uh, product or service that we might offer you know whether it's voiceover work or doing 
doing training, audio training, let's say for something or, or a screencast style stuff. And so, um, what is the, uh, and you can be as, as nerdy as, uh, as you want to be, I guess, in, in describing your workflow. Cause I know, uh, I know from reading and, and listening to you and other stuff, you do enjoy talking through some of this stuff, but, um, yeah, just, you know, so picking, uh, an idea, I guess one of your, even something simpler, more slightly more simple, like the basics of Markdown, right? Which is one a series you did, or uh, one of your lunch with series. Yeah. Um, just like if starting over from that, almost what uh, what's your process for deciding what you cover and 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 just the tools you use to sort of set it all up. Deciding what to cover is always sort of you know, that's really like one of the most difficult things. Um, to be honest, you know, like, and sometimes it's just me being indecisive about what I want to do. Um, these days, because I'm, you know, Majingo is in partnership with Happy Cog, I have more time to devote to this. And I can actually spend more time planning and, you know, I have like, you know, spreadsheets and, and, and lists and all sorts of stuff where I collect ideas of videos that I want to do. And um, when I'm in a brainstorming session where I, I'm going through and, you know, trying to figure out what's next, I'll just go through my lists again. And see what strikes me as something that hey, I'm interested in doing because that's the that's really important that I'm fired up about doing the video, um, you know, recording, doing the production work on screencasts is 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 hard work. Uh, it takes time. It's draining. You can only do a certain amount of recording at once before you need to like get up and take a break because you're you're talking, you're working with the computer, and you're trying to keep like everything, you know, like lined up. So, you know, you're not like, you know, saying the wrong stuff or, or whatever. So it's, it's pretty draining. So you have to, um, take a lot of breaks and, and, uh, so the, the, that whole production part is, is, is pretty tough. Coming up with the, with the ideas is, is also really tough, but it's mostly just deciding. Um, and if I find something I'm really excited about, like the Git thing, it's something that's been on my, was on my list for a long time. And then one day I was looking at my list. I was like, I really want to do Git. And then I look and I'm like, okay, who else has done Git out there and how have they done it? And how can I differentiate this? And then I just go do it because I'm excited about it. And I, you know, I start. So the next thing I do then is I actually usually do like a mind map. Um, so I'll, I use MindNode Pro and uh, I will do a mind map that just lists out all the different areas I want to cover um, topics about Git. And um, then typically I'll pull that mind map into something like, uh, like Scrivener um, where I can then start writing and organizing some basic content ideas. I don't write scripts ahead of time for the videos. I will write down things for like the introduction and for really key concepts where it's very, very important to be clear and concise about what you're saying. Um, I will write down some things for that. But uh, I don't always use Scrivener. Sometimes I'll just work off a mind map and I'll break open a note um, in like, you know, my big thing now is like Evernote. Um, I used to be so against it, but I'm <laughs> starting to come around. Um, and I'll just have like, you know, a production note where I'll just keep notes in production about the flow of how I want to build things, any requirements I need to know. I'll keep a note about like, you know, uh, this craft video I just did. I, I needed to set up different... Um, transforms on images where it automatically generates, you know, thumbnails and stuff like that, that you can set up. I needed to make sure I could, I inputted the right size images. So I would make notes for what size images I need. And that way when I'm talking and recording, I just have to glance over at my note 
to make sure I'm saying the right size. Because it's hard to like keep all that stuff in your brain while you're, you know, doing four other things at the same time. Yeah. Um, my brain just doesn't like fit that much stuff in it at once. <laughs> it runs out of space. So, um, and uh, yeah, and so then, you know, I have a good outline and then I'm, I'm pretty much ready to think about, you know, what type of site am I going to build if that's the case. I'm with the Git one. It was really like a really simple site based on Zurb's foundation framework. And so there wasn't really any design to it. That wasn't the idea. The idea was to like talk about interacting with Git. And so that was a pretty simple thing. I just came up with um, uh, a band website called, uh, uh, I think it was called Little Git in the Commits was the name of the band. Um, so I try to be like funny, you know, or not, I mean, you, know, you might not think it's funny, but I think <laughs> it's funny. Um, I try to be like, you know, have a little fun with the names, the... Uh, the name for my expression engine videos is for the, the the recent series is Channel University. You know, channels like your content buckets and expression engine. Um, so, uh, so I, I try to like you know keep it a little light and and interesting when it comes to like the type of sample sites that I'm creating. Um, so yeah, so then I come up with a sample site, and then I start uh, building out the code. And when I'm in production, I just use my my notes. Uh, to record. And I, I store a lot of the stuff in my head in terms of like how, you know, how I'm going to approach something and I'll take notes as I go. So I just have like a long, um, you know, a long outline of notes of, for each section of the video. And, uh, and then I record and I record um, now, you know, here at the Happy Cog office in Austin, um, we built a, uh, a small uh, podcast studio, production studio. And so I'll record in here now, which is where I'm sitting right now. And uh, I'll record on a 27-inch uh, iMac and using ScreenFlow, which is a great uh, inexpensive app. I think it's like $100. Yeah. yeah. And um, it does screen capturing and it'll record the audio. And, uh, and I'll just record uh, all of my raw video and audio in ScreenFlow in as many files as I need. I typically... Every time I start and stop, it's a new file. And then I name it according to the topic I'm covering. And then with a number, if it's a multi-part uh, topic. And those all get saved um, and then moved over. Once I'm done recording, they get moved over to my Mac Pro, um, where I then pull everything into Final Cut. And, uh, and I use the old Final Cut 7, not the new. <laughs> the new one that Apple came out with. Um, mostly up. only because I, I bought it like less than a year before Apple came out with the new one. And I just refused to drop like another thousand dollars on something <laughs> when this one works perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, then I pull everything, all the different clips into Final Cut and assemble them and edit. And uh, editing could be anything from just pulling clips together if it's a really clean recording. Um, if there's a lot of mess ups that I made, you know, or I restarted, um, I will, uh, you know, edit those out. Um, sometimes you know, edit if I notice that something isn't right or, or something like that, I'll do that. And then put in like an intro and outro. Um, slides are all done in Keynote. So, uh, I, and I basically do Keynote slides at 1280 by 720 and then export those out as the highest quality PNG files and then drop those into, Keynote, uh, into Final Cut. And, uh, and that's how I do the slides. And that way the slides all come in post-production. You don't have to worry about like, you know, timing slides with when you're talking and recording and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So sometimes, depending on the video, I will also take that rough edit I do in Final Cut, export it, 
and send it to a um, uh, to be transcribed to text. And this is actually a trick I learned from Jeffrey Grossenbach. And Jeffrey does, I don't know if you heard of peep code. Right, yeah. Yeah, so um, Jeffrey's awesome and peep code is one of the leaders in uh, this whole screencast for sale thing. And um, he uh, he's the one that, uh, where I first learned about that was through him. And um, actually, uh, he was always, he's always so open with the information that he, that he the information about how he does things. And he even like shared the name of his transcriptionist that he uses. And, um, and she's really good. And so, uh, so I don't do it for every video, but for some videos it's necessary to send and get it transcribed. And then when I get it back, I edit it a little bit and then go back in the studio and record the voiceover again. And then I take that and drop it into Final Cut and then make any slight tweaks I need to to time that with the video. Um, oh, and the result, Sorry, yeah, so the say, result of that, oh, good. I was just going to say with, uh, so this, the transcription, in, in addition to maybe, I don't know if you put it, put it on the website at all, but it's more actually just for yourself to see your own script that you did, right? Rather than having to listen to it necessarily. And yeah. And if I have video. one, I'll include it with the download of the right. video. Um, because I've had people contact me and say, Hey, listen, you know, I have, uh, a hearing disability and, you know, I can't hear at all. Or I can't hear well enough to follow along with the video. Um, do you have a transcript that I can use? And, um, and so I, if, when I do have one, I, I include it. Um, but the benefit that I get by of doing that is you, your, the audio track then of the video is a little bit smoother. Um, and you can edit out information that maybe isn't necessary. And you can also add information if you need to clarify something. Um, the downside of it is that it's a lot of work yeah. um, and it takes extra time. So I don't do it on everything. Um, I do it on shorter videos um, for sure, if it makes sense. Um, but this one I'm, I'm doing on craft right now is probably going to be um, more than two hours, probably three hours. Maybe we'll see. Um, I won't do it on that because um, there's just too much going on throughout the video for that to make sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't I don't do it for everything. I don't know if Jeffrey does it for everything still or not. I have to ask him. But um, but he's the one that that where that's where I found out about that was was through him. Interesting. And so the the this, the process of um, like choosing going back a little bit, but cho- choosing the the topic and things like that. And when you're sort of doing the screencast, even this is something that always comes into my head when I'm doing stuff like that. Is um, and my wife actually does a good job of reminding me that you know of not to think this way, but I always get stuck on, well, people already know this, so I don't need to bother with, I don't know, uh, what topic, you know, whatever topic it happens to be, but logging into Git, let's say, or whatever. Um, And, you know, how do you sort of decide what level of expertise you're targeting with some of that? And sort of, I don't know if you have that thought in your head of, well, I I can skip over this stuff. I can, people already know this. And you sort of have to remind yourself, no, I need to go back. Yeah, no, I think about that a lot. Um, One thing I don't, do is try to make my videos aimed at everybody um, because you're going to end up with something that's really difficult for anyone to use because there's just so much information. And that's one of the problems you see sometimes with with some tutorials is that they they try to cover too much. And sometimes you have to just, you know, tell your or assume that the person learning um, is going to have to come to the table with some knowledge and that they're going to not leave the video 
knowing every single thing about the topic. Um, it's it's really difficult to cover like a topic like Git um, and, and cover every single thing that is in the video that, that that you can do with Git. So that's never my approach is to cover everything. My approach is like, I think of it like a, you know, um, what do I, what do I need to teach them so they have enough of like a foothold to pull themselves up to the next level? You know, I'm just trying to, to give them good information and in some areas it might be basic information so they can kind of, you know, get started. I'm just going to give people a little bit of traction. Um, I'm not trying to make people uh, experts in anything. My videos are not like become an expert in this, right? Because you don't become an expert in anything by watching a video. Um, so, but my goal is always like, what do I need to teach them to get them to the next level, to propel them forward, to be, uh, you know, to go and learn some more of their own, to actually start using Git as an example and, and become even more knowledgeable about it. Um, that's really what I'm trying to do with my, with my videos. I think, um, I don't remember if it was Dave Rupert or Chris Coyer one time on their, um, uh, shop talk podcast, uh, described the videos as like, uh, you know, like intermediate. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of right. Right. They're, they're not really like ever super basic. Pretty much everything you watch from Majingo, you need to have like a, uh, some basic understanding of like web development, right? You have to be able to work within an HTML document pretty easily. Um, maybe a little bit of command line stuff. Um, but that they're also not like these ex expert things where, you know, you're going to be, you know, get like accreditation form or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to get people to learn, like literally, like that's one of my like taglines, like learn something new. I'm trying to get people to learn something new. And the way you get people to learn something new is you give them, you get them just enough to, to be successful at it. And then they can go from there. You don't want to overshoot them because then people are going to give up and you don't want to undershoot it and make it too basic because it's going to be boring and they're not going to learn anything. So I'm, tr I'm always trying to hit that middle. Yeah, that's it. Looking through some of the topics that you've covered and, and it's on the one hand, you can look at it and it's a bit of all over the place in terms of if you, if I came to your site and I was just a, a web developer, let's say, and I'd never heard of expression engine or not, sorry, not expression. Um, OmniFocus is what I was going to say, or Sparrow. Or, and you're kind of like, you do have stuff that's obviously, it's like you said, the, when we started, it's interesting to you. And that's sort of what probably drives the initial, like, I should do a screencast or, or a training video on this because it's interesting to me. And I want to share that excitement or interest with someone else. And then, uh, and then obviously, like you said, you're a little more focused on, uh, on training and, and web dev, dev style stuff. But even something like, um, I watched your, uh, was it a free one maybe? No, I'm trying to remember. Anyways, the one with uh, on Solver. I'm just looking through the list and remembering. Uh, oh, that was a free one, um, which was enough to make me want to buy the buy the app and, and try it out because I had never really experienced the app. I'd heard a lot about it. People tweet about using it and things like that. And then, uh, But actually seeing it in use on your site with your video and then made me, motivated me enough to want to go buy it. Well, actually partly, <laughs> this is what I think what a lot of us suffer from. It was like I needed to do some budgeting and rather than just sit down and do budgeting, I thought I should go look for an app that helps me. <laughs> do budgeting. And then I think I saw your training videos like, oh, I'll watch this. And then, you know, an hour goes by and I haven't done any budgeting, but I've learned a lot about different apps for budgeting. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But uh, yeah, that's a... Getting I, all fiddly with the tools. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, I would say that with... Yeah, you're right. That's, that's some of the stuff on the site right now is um, it's a little it's a little scattered. And um, that's actually one of the things I'm doing this year is I'm, I'm filling out uh, the material. So we're going to, we'll be adding a lot of 
web design and, and web development stuff this year. And, um, and the productivity stuff, like that's something that I like, I just really like to do. So that's actually become, you know, while Majingo has sort of become part of my job now, I've taken the productivity videos and that stuff and sort of made them like my new hobby. Um, because that stuff really interests me, but um, I want Majingo to be focused on, you know, helping web designers and developers uh, train up and, and learn new things. Yeah, which is interesting. That's a good segue, I guess, into talking about Happy Card because um, that was something I was curious about because it is, Majingo has been a, I guess I wouldn't call it necessarily your hobby, right? Because it's been making you money and often hobbies are things that drain money, but uh, <laughs> a profitable hobby, I guess. And so now as it becomes your job, it does become, or more of your job, um, you know, some, sometimes that can happen where it, it takes the fun out of doing it because now you have to do it. <laughs> Whereas before it was like, I get to do it, you know, when I've done all this other stuff is... Um, and I know it hasn't been exactly that kind of split for you over the years, but um, talking about happy yeah, cog. Sorry, go. Did yeah. you, or do you have a comment there? Yeah. So I, I think that the it's actually I think it's more fun when it's part of your job because um, for the last since 2008, I've done Majingo and like writing and and publishing uh, up until you know earlier this year I'd done it on the side. So that was weekends, um, evenings. Um, sometimes I would take vacation just so I could, you know, had enough time to work on stuff. And um, so that's like all the videos um, and like a book and all sorts of stuff just done on the side. So that can be, you know, while it's still fun, it's it's pretty draining. Uh, it's it's a ton of work. So be able to do that um, as part of my job is, is uh, you know, I still work um, a lot in the evenings on it because I do like it so much. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to do it during the day, especially like the recording and stuff when I'm not, um, you know, tired or, you know, you know, I have a two and a half year old and it's hard to do anything like in the house, um, yeah. with a two and a half year old. So, um, it's, you know, we have this studio here now that, that happy cog put together and, and it's, so it's great to have it as part of the job. Yeah. You're living the screencast slash podcaster dream right now. I think of, of having an official <laughs> studio to go to it. Cause I don't know if, I'm not sure if you picked, if the, my mic picked it up, but our three and a half year old is was screaming something for the last ten minutes here, <laughs> somewhere in our house because I'm in our home office here. That's where my quote unquote air quote studio is. Um, so, but that's just the way life is. Um, so, I guess yeah, transitioning now to to Happy Cog, which was uh, I want to say was it about four or five months ago that this sort of happened. Doesn't specifics, I guess, aren't a big deal, but that uh, you sort of yeah, I think we official. I think we announced it um, in March. So that uh, Majingo and Happy Cog have a partnership and we're working together to basically fulfill one of Happy Cog's missions that it, you know, it's always had, which is, you know, sharing um, its knowledge and information, you know, from our people. So we, you know, we all like write and speak and, and um, some people publish books and some people do a lot of, you know, a lot of speaking and conferences and, um, you know, we have people from Happy Cog, both past and present, speaking at an event apart. And so it's sort of in our DNA is to, is to teach people um, what we know. And, uh, and so Majingo just seems like a natural way of, of doing that. So we um, work together to, um, to bring sort of Majingo under the Happy Cog umbrella. And, and we have a partnership, so I'm able to spend um, some of my time uh, working uh, on Majingo. And part of that was putting together um, this, uh, this great little little studio that we have to, uh, to produce, um, audio stuff like podcasts and stuff like that, but also, uh, screencasts as well. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to remember if I've seen, do you have a, 
if there is a photo out there, maybe at some point you could take a photo and tweet it or whatever, or send me a link or something like that to a photo of the gear yeah. and stuff. But um, talk me through a bit of, because um, I think that's, again, going back to living the podcaster dream of like having, and you know, whether it specifically was Happy Cog that's buying stuff for you or however that worked, doesn't really matter. But in effect, being given a check to say, okay, let's set up this new space and, you know, where do you begin? And, and obviously knowing, you knowing a bit, it's not like you came into this um, ignorant of what, you know, equipment you needed and stuff, but sort of having options and, and choices to make about that. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out where, where to start, but um, I mean, you talked about the computers already and iMac and, and, and Mac Pro and stuff for editing, but um, maybe sticking to some of the audio gear and stuff that you ended up choosing, um, starting from, I guess, microphone out <laughs> from your, sure. your uh, mouth out. So the, the mic I'm talking to right now is the Heil PR40. So we have a couple of those, um, which are which are great mics. And I think the first time I really ever experienced using one or listening to someone that I knew talking to one was um, uh, my friend Dan Benjamin, who does 5 by 5 And I know he has. And a lot of my setup was influenced through some of the trial and error that he uh, did with his setup. Um, my stuff is uh, less involved than what he has, but it's a pretty basic. We have a three-mic setup. So there's two PR40s. And then um, up until we had this studio, I had at home um, a Shure SM7B, which is the, you know, like the classic studio mic um, that's, uh, that I recorded. So that's in here as well as the third mic. And those are all um, connected up. They're on like the Heil boom arms. And we have like the risers. Um, we have a round table for two of the mics. And then one of the mics is by the... Um, like the desk workstation uh, for recording screencasts. And so they're nice and high so you can, you know, put your laptop in and have the mic out of your way and stuff. Um, so for uh, processing gear, um, two of the mics run through a, a DBX uh, compressor. It's the 286S. And um, I just have that just dialed in so it, so it sounds good in the room. And those uh, get fed into... Uh, right now, they're just in, in the chain. Um, I'm probably going to do them uh, uh, as inserts so I can just insert whatever, you know, channels I want into the DBXs. But right now, they're just chained into these two PR40s. Um, and those go into a Mackie uh, 1220i Firewire mixer. Yes, yeah, the Mackie Onyx 1220i. Right. And um, and the, the that's Firewire into the iMac. And then there's Logic Pro, which uh, runs here for recording of audio like this. Um, and of course, for uh, screencasts, I record in ScreenFlow. Um, so, it, but also just, you know, out of the, or a Firewire out of the mixer. Um, I also have a Joe Meek 3Q, which is a, an outboard. Um, it's like a, what is it, like a half, half rack width, a little box. Um, that's really cool. It's what I use for a long time. It, it actually sounds really good. Um, not as good as the DBX, but, um, but it sounds pretty good. I don't have it hooked up to anything right now. Um, once I start using it, um, once I start doing, um, being able to patch things in, then I'll, uh, I'll probably play with that a little bit to see how I can get that, the sound with the mics and with the room. Um, there's another iMac that we have for the Skype machine and we're just doing like a mix minus so we can, uh, you know, so I can send you my audio and I get yours, but you know, you don't get yours. Yeah. You know, pretty basic stuff. Um, 
the, going back to the three Q there, that's a, that's yeah. a product that's new to me. Um, and the other stuff too is 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 neat uh, that someone might not be like the compressor, the DBX two eighty six that you might, you're using. Because um, I'm running a similar s- setup, just one step removed. I don't have any extra gear. I have the PR forty. I have the Onyx mixer going to iMac through FireWire, but I haven't plunged taking that extra plunge of properly uh, preamping or whatever the compressing the the mic. Um, but the three Q that you mentioned, just looking at the, it looks like a neat little. Um, what am I trying to say? Little unit. <laughs> yeah, Pre- it's it's really weird. It's like it's very lo-fi looking. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're not cheap. Um, yeah, it looks like two ninety nine retail is what U.S. retail anyway. Yeah, and it's for for the little box. And um, you know, the reason I bought it, I needed a preamp that would. I don't know if you've ever used the short SM seven B or not. No, but I haven't. I think those things are like like minus fifty or minus sixty dB or something like that. And so you really need a lot of gain, a lot of headroom to, to get those things um, uh, up to a decent level. So, uh, so I had to get like, uh, that's, what the, that's one of the reasons I got the Joe Meek. And again, this is another thing I found through, you'll find like, like almost, I, I pretty much just have just tried to learn as much as I could from other, what other people have done. So this is another thing that um, Dan uh, told me about. He had one and I picked up one and um, he, he, uh, um, he, he, you know, he really liked it. And this was before he got some DBXs too. Um, so I, I have this out of commission right now, but I'm going to try to plug it in and, and uh, use it again. Whoops. And use it again um, and see how it sounds with, I want to see how it sounds with the PR40s for sure. Yeah. Cause that's what I've, I know I'm missing out on is uh, the PR40 is very gain hungry or gain whatever the. Yeah. And the SM7B is too. It's yeah. nuts. And so I have to have my gain just crank like the game pod or whatever is just cranked to the max which doesn't make for a great it's not the best way to record a mic like this anyways but do what you can um okay i think and the mackie the mackie has pretty good preamps too i mean they're not like they're fairly quiet for you know for uh uh you know fairly inexpensive boards yeah at least back in the day i mean i have i haven't uh when i was in school i did this was back in 94. I um, actually did a year of recording industry majors. So I got to like work in, you know, do classes in studios and stuff and, um, and learned all about, you know, audio stuff. And I had always been interested and I worked for a, a while as a, a live sound engineer for um, different bands and stuff. And um, so I always had like, a, you know, I always had some knowledge, you know, the basics of, of how things work and, and stuff like that. Um, and Mackies were always like, you know, back then, you know, I could never really afford a good Mackie and, uh, but they're always noted for the really quiet, uh, preamps, you know, in considering the, the price of them, you know, obviously not like a high end preamp you're going to have in a studio. Um, but they were fairly quiet. And for what we do with, um, you know, like this, like, you know, streaming live or the internet or just. Uh, going to an MP3 and you know compressing the crap out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's only so much that you know, uh, you know, that you're going to lose or or that you're 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 sacrificing by using, you know, like a Mackie Pre. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Is um so with the with the Happy Cog setup and obviously there's the Majingo stuff that you're doing. Is there plans to do and whatever you're allowed to talk about, I guess, but plans to do more official podcast type stuff or is it kind of just more for you know random training materials that they might put out and interviews with folks and, and things like that 
No, we want to do uh, right now, there podcast stuff. There is no official anything like sort of officially no, podcast uh-uh. or whatever. Not yet. Um, but, you know, we have people, you know, as like this, like me on this podcast, as guests on podcasts. And um, so it's nice to have a facility where someone can sit down and, you know, in a room that's, we have um, uh, sound absorption panels up on the walls. And so the room isn't, um, isn't dead, but it's dead end a little bit. And so it keeps, it keeps things, you know, nice and quiet in here. Um, this is actually like a lot of people's favorite room to, to have conference calls in and stuff because it, it is so quiet um, and relaxing. It, there's like no, there's no real noise in here. Um, but, um, but yeah, for, you know, for everything from, you know, any podcast that we want to do for my screencasting, for people to be on a podcast, um, you know, we can, uh, you know, someone can come sit in here and Skype in and, and be on a podcast. And, uh, and we have, you know, good equipment and, you know, hopefully it sounds good. Um, and we're going to be doing the same thing in uh, our Philadelphia office, which we're in the process of, it's under, actually just started construction on a new office in Philadelphia. And there'll be the, a similar type of setup there. Um, most likely, like, just mimic what we have here. Um, so, so everything, you know, will sound the same. Uh, so, yeah, we want to have, like, you know, just the facilities to, to do whatever we need to do, whether we have our own podcast or, you know, we can screencast from both cities or people are just guests. Um, you know, a lot of our people do uh, Christopher Schmidt and um, Ari, they do the, uh, like a lot of the online conferences and stuff. And we have people speak at those. And it's really nice to have, you know, a good space to do that, that type of uh, conference in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and it's, it's just such an interesting world. Like if you would have said five, I don't know, however many years ago, five, six years ago that web studios would start, setting up podcasting environments and, <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of just this, like, why would you get involved in radio is kind of like, I think how people would have been. And even now I'm sure there are folks within web studios who aspire to maybe do something like what happy cog does where, you know, cause there, that's, I think a lot of what the web is built on is sharing knowledge and information and expertise and all that kind of stuff, just like what you're doing with Majingo and uh, who would love to do that kind of stuff and and hopefully with what ha- you know happy cog leading the way in this in this area at least from the web studio perspective of of building a place like this so that it's not just uh you know your developer sitting on his laptop with using his iphone speakers to <laughs> record some <laughs> conversation with somebody and then people tune it out because it doesn't sound good even though the guy might be the smartest person in the world so um, yeah. And that's actually, that's a good point. Um, and that's one of the things you see sometimes in, uh, stuff on YouTube and elsewhere is that the, the audio isn't good. And that's like, um, and it's not always easy to get good audio, but it's easier than you think now. Like think about like the road podcaster mic. So that's yeah. a USB mic. Um, it's like, you know, two or $300, but there's no setup. You literally just plug it in to your computer, your laptop, your iMac, your whatever. And choose it as the audio input source. And then you have like a really actually a, a pretty decent sounding mic. And so, you know, go sit in your closet, you know, at home or, or wherever um, where you have like a lot of clothes or carpet or, or fabric and record there and you'll, you'll sound actually like really good. Um, so it's the barrier to entry is much lower than it used to be. When I started doing podcasting in like 04, 05, like really early on. Um, that like, like I had like terrible equipment and my audio was terrible. 
And uh, a lot of people's audio was terrible. And it was very expensive to get to get into it. If you wanted to get a good mic, like, you know, like a PR40 or like a Shure SM7B, um, you had to, just like I do now, you had to have all the gear then to plug into it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, great. Now, like, you know, I'm going to be like two grand into this, you know, for, yeah, for something hobby. that I'm not even sure, like, what I'm going to do with it. Um, and now for like a couple hundred bucks, you can get like a, um, like that Rode Podcaster mic. And I love those things. Um, you know, you could, uh, you could have, you know, uh, you know, if you're like, say you're a remote team, you know, you're spread all over like a country or the world, everybody have one of those things. And then suddenly everybody in their home has like, you know, a decent mic that will do good audio if you just get in a, a really uh, quiet and dead room. Um, they actually sound really good. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of opportunities. But, you know, our conference room here, or this podcast room, it's actually what we call it. We call it the podcast room. Um, it doubles as a conference room. So there is a small table with the mics, but that's a small table is the table that people can sit at for conference calls for, you know, like small two or three person meetings because the room isn't, isn't huge. Um, and uh, so, so it doubles for us as that, but, uh, but more and more it's getting, it's getting booked for, you know, like production work and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to, to get set up. It could be an iMac and a, and a road podcaster in your quietest conference room. And then that could be your, like, you know, the start of like a production studio that you have. That's all it really takes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I know, um, well, talking with any other podcaster, they'll hear, they'll often point to folks like, uh, what Dan did with five by five or, or say Leo Laporte, even if you're looking like really big, uh, kind of stuff and you see all the gear that he has and it's as nerds, we're kind of like, Ooh, I want that. I want the mixer. And I, actually, an episode, the one episode back of this show, the show me your mic, I had uh, Tim Smith sort of interview me about my gear just to sort of talk about, since I always talk with other folks about what they do, we just thought I'd throw out an episode with, with my stuff. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I was the idiot, like I said, in that, that episode who dropped a whole <laughs> bunch of money on a mixer and, and the mic and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's fun to have for sure. And I, I would do it again. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of expense there that isn't necessarily going, uh, earning its money back per se is <laughs> earning its back in, in a lot of fun and obviously all those kinds of things, but you don't need to spend all that gear just to try this out, especially. And, uh, but like you said, I think that idea of, of hitting up your, whatever your IT department or whatever it is, if you're at an agency of some sort or a bigger company, uh, when, you know, maybe you're being approached for doing podcast interviews on shows like mine or like, uh, uh, Jeffrey Zeldman's uh, the big web show or, or whatever, those kinds of things and, and dropping a couple hundred bucks just for a mic to improve the audio quality and people will, you instantly sound, <laughs> it's kind of like putting glasses on somebody where they just look smarter, right? You just sound better. It's easier to listen to and, uh, and you'll probably get asked to do it again because people then think you're, you know what you're doing with audio and that's gets that out of the way. And yeah, getting good, getting decent audio is uh, isn't that hard anymore. So uh, yeah. if you're going to, if you're going to teach somebody something like in a screencast, then, you know, have, try to get decent audio. It'll make a huge difference. People will be able to listen to it longer because they're not straining to hear you and they're not having, their ears aren't having to tune out, um, echo or background noise or other, other artifacts. And, um, and it, it, so they'll listen longer. Uh, so that, that would be my recommendation if you're doing a, uh, if you're doing a screencast. Yeah. So, and it doesn't take like, you don't need 
like a Mackie mixer and a DBX and all that. Like, what are we, I'll say it again, but the road podcasters, I really like that thing. I need to get, um, to, get in touch with them because that's what I, to sponsor this show. Cause they, that's, I think aside from the extremes like you and I, who, you know, either we've had means to somehow get somebody else to pay for it, or we've been stupid in, in my case and paid for it. Ourselves. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they need to sponsor the show because, uh, there's uh, most podcasters I come on, come across anyways, are using something like that. There's also just sort of some of the blue. Yeah, because those, because the people that are doing those shows, they, they want to talk about the topics that interest them or the knowledge they have. They don't want to fiddle around with setting up audio gear and, you know, and if, especially if it's temperamental, like I was having before our, sh- our show, I was doing some recording and it's like the Mackie was like being temperamental and there was like some weird pops and clicks and, um, it seems like every once in a while I have to like shut it off and 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 like restart the computer and then like then that firewire audio connection is clean again. Yeah. And there's like like who wants to mess with that? Um, if you're if you all you really want to do is record a show, so that's why the road podcasters. Yeah. Uh, and there's other ones like that. There, I know there's yeah. the um, uh, what's that blue? Um, like the snowball or the they have a higher end one now. Yeah, it's not the snowball. It's the other one, uh, Yeti. Oh, the blue Yeti. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I know that, uh, Greg's story here has one of those and he's used that for, for podcasts before. So, um, now oh, there's all sorts of options. So don't yeah. talk into your eye, your iPhone headphone, your headphones and, uh, yeah. and don't talk into your laptop mic. And like um, you said, with the, the mixer, especially if you have a home studio, like I do, the mixer just adds the eternal fear that your three-year-old or your five-year-old is going to come in and just twist all the knobs <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and you're never going to get it back again. So. I live with that fear every day I come down to. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, my, fortunately for me, the Mackie isn't such a big concern, but it's that it's the DBXs. I actually have oh, taken yeah. photos of the knobs. Um, yeah. So I know where they are. That's what I said. Because that's something too. that you're literally like, you're dialing in and you're recording and you're listening to it and you're trying to mix, you know, see how it sounds with the room because every room is a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the one pro tip I think is taking photos of your gear uh, when you have settings dialed in, not just thinking, oh, it's good. I'll, because even if you don't have kids, someone else will come along and be like, oh, what's this knob? Yeah, this. or you hit it, or you, you drag yeah. a cable against it, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's just panic. Anyways, um, yep. One thing that I, I end each show with is uh, just asking folks what, what they listen to and also what apps you listen to. So I don't know if you've had a chance to prep, but I'll just do a little quick sponsor read while you're, if you pull up your iListener device of, of choice, and, okay. uh, and then uh, we'll get some of your picks i guess of the week if as it were um so, but my thanks to uh sound lounge by t-bone uh, speaking of voiceover and audio work if you need uh, voiceovers audio post production services that he's based actually here in saskatoon where i am but to, he'll happily service the world um with doing all sorts of audio production work uh producing jingles and things like that but also he did the intro and outro for this show that you have heard and uh and so he's keen to get involved with folks who maybe are doing podcasting, uh, but want just it sometimes adds a little different. I thought I'd try it for this show, a little different uh, voice to the show, have an intro person. makes Maybe it makes you sound more professional. I don't know. But you can be the judge, I guess. But uh, you can hear his work over at uh, thesoundlounge.ca. And uh, so my thanks to T-Bone at Sound Lounge for sponsoring Show Me Your Mic. So I don't know if that was enough rambling for you, Ryan, to... Yeah, let's give it a shot. So, are you, are you talking about like podcasts that I listen to? Yeah, that, that in general. Okay. I mean, if it's you can stretch yeah. the bounds of what podcast is, but yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know because you know everything is it's sort of almost like a um, a delivery mechanism now, right? Not yeah. A, a, a content uh, thing. 
Uh, so this morning on the way to work, I was listening to, and that's when I do a lot of podcast listening. I don't have a, a long commute. It's about between like 12 and 15 minutes. Um, but I do listen to podcasts. This morning I was listening to Generational. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh yeah. Like um, early. It is a podcast oh, no. that by uh, Gabe Weatherhead and, um, it is on 70 decibels, and I think 70 decibels is now part of 5x5. Five five. Right. So um, I'm not sure where to find the podcast, <laughs> but if you, just, if you just Google generational podcast, you'll find that. Um, uh, it's a really, uh, Gabe is like a really laid back guy. Um, I've never met him, but just from listening to him on the podcast. Um, and uh, he covers all sorts of technology stuff um, from you know, really geeky workflow stuff, which seems to be what a lot of people are doing these days. <laughs> and um, all the way to, you know, just, you know, people's, you know, life stories about how they got into technology and how they use it. The most recent episode covers Evernote, um, which is really interesting to me because I just started, um, you know, I got a premium account and I started jumping into Evernote and really using it a lot for stuff. Um, so, uh, so Gabe always has some really good stuff on that show. So that's generational. And um, another one I really like, of course, is uh, the Mac Power Users with David Sparks and Katie Floyd. Um, they always have lots of uh, good Mac geeky stuff. Unprofessional with uh, Lex Friedman and Dave Wiskus. And that's a good one. And let's see. And then I have a lot of like NPR shows like This American Life on the Media. Radiolab, uh, NPR, Planet Money, um, uh, and then uh, Sound Opinions. And I pretty much like my NPR lineup because I don't really have time to listen to the radio. So I just listen to it all uh, <laughs> time shifted like this. And, um, and then WTF with Mark Marin, which is Mark Marin's a comedian as the WTF podcast. Uh, he now has like a book and a TV show kind of based around that him being this comedian that does a podcast. And that was actually kind of really weird to see like a TV show about a guy who does a podcast. Um, because when I started podcasting in like, oh, five, oh, six, whatever it was, um, like it wasn't like, like a mainstream thing. People were like, oh, people were like, oh what? And yeah. uh, so, um, so it's, it's all kind of weird. It's like when like, you know, back like when like my parents started talking about like Facebook and stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? You Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems like a long time ago now, but you know, there was a time where you're kind of like, that was the reaction you had. So that's the reaction I had with, with uh, watching his TV show. So I didn't realize he'd gotten to a TV show too. That's crazy. Yeah. He's got a TV show and he has some amazing interviews. Yeah. Um, his back catalog is not free. You have to subscribe um, to get that. But it is there are some on there that are that are worth subscribing to. He talks to like comedians like Stephen Wright, um, Louis C.K. and there's some like there's some amazing amazing interviews in there. Um, he gets some great people, and it's all done in his garage, behind his house, um, and uh, and so it's like a real like kind of like low key setting. It's not like some like you know Hollywood studio somewhere. He lives in I think Highland Park in uh, in L.A. and uh, so that's a that's a good one. It's, it's a little bit more of a, of a rawer feel than, um, you know, some of the more polished like NPR stuff that we listen to. Um, so that's it. That's really pretty much all I listen to right now. It, it, things come and go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's 
that's pretty much, I was just going in, I used Instacast. So I was just going through my Instacast list of, of what I have queued up right now. Yeah. That's another, I think I'll just, I can almost start, stop asking at this point because Instacast is like the, um, 90% almost of the people who come on, uh, podcasters who come on and say they use Instacast to listen to these days. So yeah, definitely captured the market. Have you tried the Instacast for Mac, the desktop? I have, and I was I was actually happy with the syncing. Um, I had tried to Instacast syncing between my like my iPhone, and I actually have an i. Um, I talk about nerdy. I'm afraid to even admit this. I have an old iPhone four, um, that I use just in airplane mode. Um, uh, that's on my nightstand that I use at night if for some reason like I can't sleep or whatever, and I want to listen to a podcast, and so I I have like a separate phone. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Just for that. Um, but, uh, and I, and I was like, oh, syncing, this is perfect because like, you know, I wouldn't, I would always have to kind of fast forward to find where I was. And it was, it wasn't always that reliable, but I noticed that the syncing with the Mac app, I guess, actually right on. Um, so, uh, so that's actually really nice to see. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of, like when I'm at my computer working, I can't listen to podcasts because I, I can't, I can't focus on that and, and do what I'm doing. Um, a lot of my work is, is, uh, is writing and and brainstorming stuff, and so I can't. Or and even if it's coding, I can't. Um, I can't do that while listening to podcasts. I, one of them is gonna is gonna give, and you know, and it can't be the work. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so I use I usually just put on music. So I don't listen to a lot of podcasts sitting at my computer or sitting at my desk. Um, a lot of it's on the go, uh, in the car, or um, in the evening. I get home um, and I'm you know doing dishes and and cleaning up and stuff. Uh, I always have, uh, you know, headphones on and I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, like after my daughter goes to bed and stuff and I'll be, uh, you know, catching up on podcasts then too. Those are really the car and like, you know, dishes and folding laundry and all that boring stuff that we all have to do in our lives. Um, are like, you know, when I try to fill up with podcast time. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. And, uh, I was just thinking when you said about, uh, your parents sort of being a Facebook or whatever, I still get the, um, See, at least your thing, you have a, pr- a product, uh, you know, you can point to and say, look, I sell this and this is, people buy this, they pay money for this. But I get, uh, I think it was when I interviewed Dan Benjamin on this show a couple episodes ago and I was telling my parents and I was like, you know, it's, there's whatever, a few hundred people that downloaded it from me and however many thousands because he put it out on his five by five stream or whatever that may have listened to it through his, his site. And my, both my parents are just kind of like, why like what <laughs> why are they listening to this and why would they care what uh and uh yeah i, was, <laughs> I think podcast i guess is still still a bit in the closet as it were or whatever but uh it's definitely become more mainstream in, in terms of at least on if you're at all connected with the web stuff it's yeah everybody and their dog almost it feels like has a podcast these days and so um yeah but people don't really even like don't even maybe know that it's a podcast right they're just exactly like, i listen i listen to this thing it's like it's like a it's like a radio show. Yeah, that's and, actually uh, uh, that's a funny beef. You know, there've been arguments Sorry. right about like what to call it. Like, oh, it's not podcasting; it's you yeah. know, like <laughs> netcasting or like or time shifted radio or whatever. It's just, yeah. and I think everybody just decided just to start doing good stuff. And then you have people like, you know, uh, Leo doing, and of course Dan, you know, just you know, just started just doing content, just really good content that people wanted to listen to um, with with like good personalities. And, uh, and then that's all, you know, that's all that really matters. Yeah. So, otherwise it's just a delivery. And once everybody has these phones and stuff, um, you know, and, uh, it doesn't really matter. I was actually at the WWDC, 
in 05 when Apple announced the podcast or the, yeah, the podcast uh, directory in iTunes. Oh yeah. And yeah. And that was like, you know, that was like a huge thing. Um, and of course there was all these other small companies trying to create these podcast directories and like in one announcement, like, you know, Apple just pretty much owned the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's like, I mean, they called it podcast, but that's like a really important, um, that was a really important step to make it just be um, just like another way for people to get audio programming was like through iTunes. Like they could have called it, you know, audio shows or whatever. And it didn't matter. It, the, the idea that it was easy for people to get that stuff to their phones or to their iPods at the time, because we didn't have phones, the uh, iPhones in 2005. Um, and so it just, you know, it's just like a, it's just a delivery thing. Um, good shows are good shows, whether they're originally produced for radio or just originally produced just for like the podcast delivery. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's funny. I should look at, well, two things. Look, I just Googled, uh, you know, WWDC 05 uh, announcements and, you know, pulling up an Engadget live, quote unquote, live stream uh, covering it, which doesn't have any photos and doesn't, isn't like a live blog. It's just like a, you know, time stamped entries into, this, <laughs> yeah. into their CMS or whatever. And so just think of how far that's come. But also just think of a world where, and there was other companies like, you know, talked about, so this is getting way rabbit trail. And if you've tuned up by now, I guess. So I'll see you later. But <laughs> the, uh, I think about like ODO and other companies that were trying to do stuff with the podcasting yeah. space because they obviously, you know, you could see that something was coming with that. But thinking of a world where we have all these other destinations and there is still other services out there, but like right now it's, it is fairly simple. It needs to be simpler, but it, it is fairly simple to say, go to iTunes and just hit subscribe and you're, you got the show. Like there's no complicated, right. go to this website, download this app, do this thing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I know Dan, I've heard Dan rant a few times on it, and it certainly needs to get easier for people, especially in the mobile space, to listen to podcasts. But uh, but yeah, thinking of where we would be if, if that hadn't happened, I think we'd still be sort of fighting over which service to to use and where right. to best host it and all that kind of stuff. And so. Yeah, I think, it'll, I think it'll get better, and I think eventually uh, it's kind of what you're seeing happen with TV. You know, it's, you're not like, you know, like Netflix... Um, I don't know if you, do you guys get the Netflix? No, you do because I actually watched it while I was in Canada. Um, so you get the Netflix uh, only TV shows there, like House of Cards and stuff. Yes. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of like what Netflix is doing. Like they're doing TV, but they're not delivering it like, you know, through normal TV, you know, channels. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, is it not TV? Is it like net shows, you know, because yeah. it's coming over the internet? So it doesn't really, like, it's all going to not matter at some point. And we're not going to really, call it anything we're just going to call it hey did you watch you know or listen to this yeah and um it's all going to become the same thing because tv is is going is going the way of um you know a lot of other old technologies in that you know we don't need to have like i don't have cable um i watch you know netflix watch stuff on itunes and i have like a hd antenna for you know watching uh over the air stuff and that's all i have and um and it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I think it's all going to become just kind of the same thing. And we're all going to ignore that things are delivered differently. Um, they're just going to be, we only care that we can watch them and watch them in a way that we want. Yeah, exactly. Watch, you just say you watched it or you listened to it or. Yeah, exactly. The only, the one, the big one, and it's getting sorted out is the, you know, sporting stuff. I know you're a basketball fan. Uh, oh yeah. Oh <laughs> gosh. I'm getting heartburn already just thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, but that's, you know, then, you know, um, I know in, in hockey, anyways, there's an NHL app for Apple TV and, uh, same thing with baseball. They have, baseball has done a really good job of 
their apps and things you can watch with. And, uh, and once they start, I don't know how it is for you down there, but I know for here, up here, it's kind of like there's a bit of that fight of the TV view. If, if the game is viewable in your area on TV somehow, then they don't want the app to show it and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so there's blackouts. Yeah. yeah. And um, once, I, I don't run into that because of the, I'm a New York Yankees fan. Um, and uh, so I, I live in Texas, so I don't really ever uh, run into that unless maybe they're playing the Rangers, then I might, but otherwise uh, yeah. I don't, uh, but, but I do use MLB at bat. Um, what I run into it with sports is because I watch a lot of college basketball and that is, uh, almost exclusively controlled by ESPN. Um, right. and I don't have cable and if you don't have cable, you can't use the ESPN apps on your devices, at least through my, with the, the cable company, which is Time Warner that sort of owns this whole area. Um, and that means that in order to stream like ESPN, I have to be a cable subscriber. ESPN won't take me directly as a customer. Um, I can't pay them and be like, I'll pay you, you know, whatever. I'll pay you $300 for a season of basketball. Yeah. Um, so I can watch all the games. I have to like actually be a cable subscriber, but I don't want like all the stuff that and cost that comes with being a cable subscriber then you have to get the box and you know there's all that stuff that goes with it um so uh so it it drives me crazy and i think that hopefully one day that's going to be broken apart i know that you know netflix is doing it and i think hbo has hinted that they're going to try to do that too whether you know actually like take on their own customers but that's a old there's like old business relationships there that are hard to, to disassemble and so um but I'm, I'm hopeful because then we kind of get to watch the stuff the way we want to watch it and still pay for it. And I don't think anyone is, at least I'm not asking for like, you know, free stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't want to watch basketball games for free. I'm willing to pay, but, um, but I don't want to have to pay for like a bunch of stuff I don't need. I'd rather just pay for the stuff that I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Good. A little tangent rabbit trail. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> I brought it on just as my, <laughs> that's for another, another podcast. <laughs> There's a whole discussion I'd love to, I, and uh, you know, like you talk about Mark Marin doing it, where people are are charging for podcasts or charging for back catalog or, or variations on the, that theme. And obviously, you know, we do like I did the sponsor read and that kind of stuff. Is is the whole money angle of podcasts is is an interesting discussion in itself. And um, it's nice. What I what I love about what you're doing is that you've kind of re- successfully removed yourself from that part of it and just outright charging for the stuff you're doing on Majingo and obviously, you know, being employed by, <laughs> by a company as well helps with, with money. Um, but, uh, anyways, that's for another show. Um, where can folks find you, follow you, all that kind of stuff, your online digits that you give out? Sure. I am, um, I'm at Ryan Ireland on Twitter. It's R Y A N I R E L A N. And also Majingo on Twitter, M I J I N G O. And then Majingo.com, M-I-J-I-N-G-O.com. Um, and that's where all the training stuff is. And um, you can also, uh, you know, for Happy Cog stuff, we're Happy Cog on Twitter. Um, and HappyCog.com, you can uh, check out all the stuff that we've done. And we have a blog um, that's linked up from our site called Cognition. And talk about sharing and all that stuff. That's really where, like, weekly, um, someone from the team here um, will, you know, write about whatever is on their mind. Um, it could be, you know, design and development related process related, um, whatever it is. So cognition is a great, um, a great blog that's just filled with all sorts of information from, we kind of go in a rotation where people take turns writing each week. 
And uh, so we, um, and we have like a custom illustration that goes with it every week and stuff like that. So it's a cool blog. Um, and that's at cognition.happycock.com. So um, yeah, that's it. That's how to get uh, a hold of me and, and see what I'm doing here at Majingo and, uh, and through Happy Cock. Cool. Well, thanks, Ryan, for coming on. Show me Mike. And uh, Thanks, Chris. If uh, you're listening and you found this somewhere, speaking of how you find things online on iTunes or wherever you may have come across this, uh, you can find links to all the stuff we talked about, ssktn.com, and then look for the Show Me Your Mic logo, and this is episode 16. Um, and you can, of course, follow me on Twitter. I'm iChris on Twitter, and then SSKTN on Twitter, and the same thing on Facebook and Google+. And, uh, yeah, no more MySpace, I guess. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Show Me Your Mic on the SSKTN Podcast Network. Follow along on Twitter at SSKTN or like us on Facebook.com slash SSKTN. Be sure to visit SSKTN.com for interviews with other podcasters, as well as learn about other shows we produce, such as Welcome to the Internet, Too Lazy to Blog, and Lost in Lemon. <laughs> <laughs>